a Podcast One production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 18th of December. Just a week before Christmas, the travel plans of hundreds of thousands of Australians have been thrown into chaos as a Sydney COVID cluster continues to grow. 17 people have now tested positive to coronavirus, with Sydney's northern beaches forced into lockdown and residents told to isolate and stay at home. New South Wales health authorities have been quick to act, with the key source of the outbreak still unknown. Epidemiologist Professor Tony Blakely has told 10 the situation may get worse. It's basically saying, start home and we'll reassess. Now, I think it's very likely that that will continue beyond three days. I can't see 17 not going up further. There's going to be more cases found in the next 24 hours. I suspect it's looking like a week or more for the northern suburbs. Specialists have been working throughout the night on critical genome testing to try and identify the original super spreader. Authorities have urged all residents in the wider Northern Beaches area in Sydney to get tested with special clinics now set up. A number of state and territories have already announced major changes to their borders and also quarantine regulations. And we'll have full details on these new restrictions with our team of journalists from around Australia shortly. Overseas now, and French President Emmanuel Macron has tested positive for COVID-19. In a statement, his office says he will now isolate for the next seven days, but he will continue to work and run the country remotely. It's not yet known where he contracted the virus. Like many parts of Europe, France is continuing to battle a second COVID wave. More than 59,000 people have died since the start of the pandemic in France. And U.S. talk show host Ellen DeGeneres has opened up about her battle with COVID-19. The 62-year-old has taken to Twitter with a health update, saying she is feeling really good but has been suffering with a rarely discussed symptom of the virus. Hi, everybody. Um, Just uh, saying thank you to all the well wishes out there. I appreciate it very much. I'm feeling 100%. I feel really good. Um, One thing that they don't tell you is uh, you get uh, somehow excruciating back pain. Didn't know that that was a symptom, but I talked to some other people, back pain. Who knew, how come? Back pain, bad. And in other news this Friday morning, the Australian economy has bounced back faster than expected. The country's deficit has been revised down by $15.9 billion in the mid-year budget update compared with the October budget. While Australia's unemployment rate has fallen to 6.8% with the creation of 90,000 extra jobs between October and November. But Treasurer Josh Frydenberg says we are not out of the woods yet. The road ahead is challenging, very challenging. We have not yet defeated the virus. It still is with us. Our recovery is very much dependent upon our continued success in containing COVID-19. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Friday morning and the COVID cluster in Sydney is certainly dominating the headlines with a number of states and territories already stepping up border restrictions just a week before Christmas. Tasmania has banned all travellers from Sydney's northern beaches 
while WA was one of the first states to swing into action, returning to its tough stance on border protection. Our Perth reporter Claire Baskus has the details. Western Australia has imposed new restrictions on travellers from New South Wales in response to the Northern Beaches outbreak. The changes were quick and a shock for travellers who flew into Perth from Sydney yesterday, police boarding their plane telling them they needed to get tested and isolate and wait for the results. There's been some changes to our legislation here in WA in relation to quarantining, but the good news is, and I'll get straight to that, it's not 14 days, Okay, it's a one-day quarantine period. In that one-day quarantine period, you must be COVID-tested which you can do at the airport on the way through. And those restrictions have now been increased. During an emergency meeting with health authorities overnight, the WA government announced all travellers from New South Wales now have to self-quarantine for 14 days after arriving in Western Australia. And many travellers are keeping a very close eye on the situation in Queensland with tens of thousands of tourists planning to head to the Sunshine State for Christmas holidays. New rules came into effect overnight. Joseph Ogilvy has the details from Brisbane. Well, Tash, it seems our health authorities here are on edge about this cluster and sadly I don't have the news many people want a week out from Christmas. Just yesterday, Queensland's acting Premier Stephen Miles was saying we were unlikely to change our border rules. It would take a lot more than this because we have a wider range of tools available to us now. And we'd even heard it'd take a full lockdown in New South Wales to put the barriers back up at the Tweed River, but that all changed late last night. Queensland Health issuing a new directive effective right now. Anyone already in the Sunshine State who's been to the Northern Beaches since December 11 needs to get tested for COVID-19 and quarantine either in accommodation or at home for 14 days. Similar rules for anyone who arrives today on a flight who's been to the Northern Beaches in the last week. They too will have to get tested and have the option of isolating at home or a hotel the big change, though, kicks in at 1am tomorrow. Anyone who's visited the hotspot in the last week and arrives on a plane will be sent straight to 14 days hotel quarantine at their own expense, almost 3000 bucks. The new rules are for visitors and also Queensland residents. Meantime, Victoria isn't taking any chances either. The Health Department releasing strict instructions overnight and James Lake is in Melbourne with the details. Thanks, Tash. Yes, at this stage, the border between Victoria and New South Wales has not closed, but the Andrews government hasn't ruled it out either. An alert was issued just after midnight for anybody who's in Victoria and has travelled to the Northern Beaches area or any other hotspot around Sydney in the past week to get tested and isolate immediately. The warning was also extended to any citizen of New South Wales who's currently in Victoria. If they have even the mildest of symptoms, they need to get tested straight away. About 100 flights are scheduled today between Melbourne and Sydney and passengers have been urged to check the latest health advice before deciding to travel. To South Australia now and just weeks after its own cluster outbreak, authorities are watching the situation very closely in New South Wales. Sean Maynard is in Adelaide with the latest. Yeah, South Australia only removed all border restrictions a few days ago and already they may have to be reintroduced depending on whether or not contact traces can stop the cluster's spread. SA Health says they'll monitor the situation closely, but the official advice is for anyone who's visited the locations at the dates and times listed on the New South Wales Health website to self-quarantine for 14 days and get themselves tested. They're also reminded to monitor for symptoms if they were in the state, but not necessarily at those sites. 
This has all come as SA Health works with Adelaide nightclubs to reintroduce drinking and dancing via special COVID management plans, which some operators say are just too confusing and impractical to work with. South Australia had no new infections yesterday and there are no active cases. Now for the latest in business and finance news this Friday morning, we're joined by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large at CanStar. And Effie, good morning. Household wealth hits record highs. Yeah, good morning. That is absolutely so hard to believe um, because we're, we're in a pandemic, yet we have hit a record high with wealth. And that's according to Australian Bureau of Statistics data that was released just yesterday. And it showed total household wealth rose by 1.7% to a record high of $11,351 billion in the September quarter. And you're never going to guess where we're stashing all this cash. The humble bank account. Household deposits increased a record of $63.7 billion as households continue to save during this quarter. Now, wealth grew by about $6,850 to just over $440,000 per person. So I hope you're feeling this wealth out there. And a lot of this cash has continued to come from government income support like JobKeeper and also access to early super. Now, that's in addition, of course, to the tax refunds that came rolling in in the September quarter. Now, this data actually follows on from CanStar's Consumer Pulse report, which revealed 47% of us, the savers, choose to keep the bulk of our money in bank accounts, which is absolutely ridiculous because savings accounts have dropped by an average of 0.58% since January 2020. But look, I understand you need to keep money in a cash account. If you're looking for one that is at least paying some kind of decent rate, then maybe check out the ones like from My State Bank or ING because at the moment, according to CanStar data, they're sitting at the top offering 1.35%. But you've got to be prepared to meet the deposit and transaction conditions. And shop around for the best rates. Effie also revealed today the most expensive suburbs around the country. Uh, yes, I found this report very interesting from CoreLogic's Best of the Best Port. And, I mean, if you had to guess where is the most expensive suburb in Australia, most of us will probably pin it somewhere in Sydney and maybe, you know, we'll say likely the eastern suburbs. Um, and if you said that, you're pretty much spot on. According to their report, it's the Harborside Darling Point leads the way as the nation's highest medium house um, values. You'd need a cool seven-plus million dollars to find yourself a pad there. Now, this is followed by Bellevue Hill at 5.72 million, Vaucluse, Double Bay and Woolwich. The only uh, suburb that was uh, in the top 10 that wasn't from Sydney was Melbourne's uh, Turak and the medium house value there is 4 million. Look, while it's always nice to pervert these suburbs, uh, what I found really interesting here was the data that um, showed the suburbs that experienced the greatest growth over the past 12 months. And surprisingly, this suburb actually increased 30% during this period. And um, it's the Sunshine Beast up in Noosa. That's where we all want to get to. Maybe it's a case that we can work from home. Maybe it's a case we want to get out of the cities, escape the, you know, the, the, the rat race and, and get up there. But that rose a staggering 27.6% over the past 12 months. It's like a lot of real estate prices in regional areas have gone through the roof as well as people reassess their work-life balance, Effie. And a mixed bag from the mini budget yesterday. We're on track. Yeah. We're doing quite well. 
Yeah, we have. I mean, by now these numbers have rolled out. We've had a night to sleep on them and think about it. They were predominantly really good. You know, the employment increased by 90,000 people last month, the bulk coming from Victoria. So our official unemployment rate has fallen to 6.8%. And also the iron ore prices assisted, you know, our economy. So the, the mid-year economic and fiscal outlook looked good. But what the, the, the one thing that I really took out from here is that the Treasury has made it pretty clear here until the labour market gets right back down. They're not even going to start thinking about this debt and paying this off, which means we're going to have low interest rates for a long, long time. We also saw why the share market jumped to its highest close in almost 10 months, closing yesterday at 6,757 points, because people are looking for somewhere to invest, where to put their cash. So we're going to see more of that. Um, although it's going to be a little bit rocky next year, the, good, the news was predominantly good. A lot of debate around, is this a false economy? Will JobKeeper and JobSeeker, when they finish in March, is that going to you know shift back negative? CBA economist says, well, guess what? We've been saving during this period about $100 billion during COVID, which goes on from that earlier report I spoke about. So they believe it will be okay. But look, others are saying at the very least, let's increase JobSeeker because come March, it's going to fall right down to $287 per week. And most economists are saying it needs to increase by $100. And that is a great stimulus for the economy because that money will go straight back in. Effie, happy Friday. Thanks so much. Thank you. Now let's check sports news with Tony Squires. And Tony, it's all about what happens after dark in Adelaide. Yeah, there's a sentence you never thought you'd say. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, Natasha, when the sun was out, the pink ball was doing nothing in the day-night test. Indy was plodding along with Virat Kohli, who on a bit of a show, his only appearance, of course, in the series, Desperate to get his side of win before he heads home for the birth of his first baby. But on 74, he was horribly run out. The new pink ball started to move around in that night air. And the Aussies suddenly found themselves with their noses maybe just in front. India finished at six for 233. Young all-rounder Cameron Green became Australian test player number 459. And also making sports news today, Tony Paul Gallon is learning the boxing biz very quickly. Oh, he sure is. After beating Mark Hunt in that beautiful slugfest, uh, he called out Australia's first UFC champion, Robert Whittaker, before he even got his gloves off. And, and the fight, that may well happen with Whittaker's camp saying he could be good to go before he gets back into the octagon next year. Now, Gal says Whittaker's been pricing himself out of the fight, demanding around $1.5 million. Now, while Gal loves a dollar, his motivation is much simpler, telling the media that Whittaker had, quote, laughed in a way that annoyed me. Wow. <laughs> Kerry O'Keefe had better keep well away from him. (laughs) I'd get into trouble, my gosh. And a bit of argy-bargy also, Tony, between two of the top managers in the EPL. Yeah, they didn't quite come to blows, uh, Natasha, but uh, Jose Mourinho and Jurgen Klopp certainly didn't see eye to eye on the sideline after Liverpool beat Tottenham to go past Spurs at the top of the Premier League. Rather than congratulating his opposite number, Jose went with the better team lost line of chat. Got to love him. (laughs) Indeed. Happy Friday and have a great weekend. Thanks, Tony. You too. Checking the weather details around the country now this Friday morning as we head into the weekend. A shower or two on the way for Brisbane today with a top of 30 degrees. 33 impossible storms and showers for Sydney. Melbourne, possible early drizzle with a top of only 19 degrees today. 29 degrees and possible showers for Canberra. Showers expected for this Friday for Hobart, a high of 18 degrees. 
The clouds should clear from Adelaide, a top of 23 on the way, 32 in sunny conditions today for Perth and showers and possible storms on the way for Darwin with a top of 32. And while it's certainly been a tough year for many, some have made an absolute fortune during 2020. Forbes has revealed Kylie Jenner is the highest paid celebrity of the year, earning a staggering $713 million pre-tax this year after selling 51% of her cosmetic company. But some have used their fortunes to help others. It's been revealed American author Mackenzie Scott has donated a staggering $5.6 billion over just the past four months to a number of charities. Mackenzie is the ex-wife of Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, and her wealth has jumped to around $60 billion in 2020. Mackenzie has split her latest donations between more than 300 key charities, with a focus on those struggling most in the wake of the COVID pandemic. Mackenzie wrote in a post, this pandemic has been a wrecking ball in the lives of Americans already struggling. The 50-year-old's latest donations have been described as one of the biggest annual distributions by a living individual to working charities. Well done. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. Please rate and review and you can also follow us on your socials at Your Morning Agenda on Instagram. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Happy Friday. Have a great weekend and we'll see you Monday.